You're listening to the Hanging with the AD podcast, where we break down hot topics in athletic administration and lessons learned through leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Josh Matthews and Don Baker. Today, we kick off 2023 with a new season of the Hanging with the AD podcast with a trip to Texas and sit down with Jennifer Frazier, who serves as the Director of Athletics for the McKinney ISD in McKinney, Texas. Jennifer is a highly decorated former athlete and now athletic director who has a heart for the community she serves there in McKinney. She's a critical thinker who is always looking to get better and grow her programs and coaches that she leads. She understands the important and in some cases essential piece athletics can play in the lives of our student athletes, and you'll hear her talk about that during our conversation today. Let's settle in and get to know Jennifer Frazier. Jennifer, we're so glad to have you joining Don and me for this episode of Hanging with the AD. We haven't had a guest from Texas in a while, so we're excited to have you join us today. So thanks for taking time out for us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Well, thank you. And for our listeners, Jennifer Frazier serves as the Director of Athletics for the McKinney ISD in McKinney, Texas. Jennifer is a native of the Metroplex and returned to the area after an All-American Hall of Fame basketball career at Abilene Christian University. In her time at McKinney, she served in different roles coaching-wise and and then served as associate athletic director, assistant athletic director, before being named the district AD in 2020. And it also must be stated that Jennifer was just recently named the Region 3 AD of the Year for the state of Texas. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let's stop right there. Let's let Jennifer tell us a little bit more about her journey through athletics. Jennifer, we like to start with what we call the back of the baseball card bio. Yours might be a basketball card. So Mm -hmm. tell us what the back of Jennifer Frazier's basketball card would look like. Sure, absolutely. Well, I kind of have taken a little bit of a non-traditional approach to to this office, to this seat. Uh, Most people start off coaching um, in the lower ranks and kind of work their way up. And I actually uh, started the opposite direction. I started off, uh, did a little bit of coaching at, at ACU after I graduated there. Then went right into being a head coach. As again, obviously, as basketball was kind of my number one sport. Um, did that for several years, and then um, started having some babies and decided to stay home with my boys. I have three boys, um, but I did a lot of coaching in that time. I just did some high level club coaching, and then when it was time to come back, I actually came back in a middle school role as a um, it was a campus coordinator, a campus athletic director role. Um, but just the, my oldest one was at that campus at the time, did that for about two and a half years. And then that's when I moved over to the athletic office um, as an assistant AD. And, and as you referenced earlier, um, just really spent most of my time in McKinney has been in the athletic office as assistant athletic director, associate, and then now the athletic director. So um, I'm a local, grew up in Plano, just down the road. Um, McKinney is, has been our home. All three of our kids were raised here um, Have participated here. Uh, we love McKinney, Texas, and I'm just uh, blessed to be able to, to serve our district in the capacity that I do. I know that you said boys. Uh, we saw the picture uh, that popped up when you first logged on. Those are grown men. So that, that those are those are some, they are big boys. I'll tell you that. They are. They are big boys. They're all playing college football. I've got all three of them playing college football this year. So we're, tra- we're chasing them on the weekends. So they are, um, They I tell people they came into this world big and they're going to leave it big. That's awesome. <laughs> Now, McKinney is a very fast-growing area. We, we've touched on this a little bit before we got on the call. With that being said, 
what hot button topics have recently crossed your desk? Maybe can you advise us on how to handle these issues if others might be facing them or maybe when they do? What's something that you're dealing with a lot right now and how are you tackling it? You know, I think, um, you know, we talk about this all the time. We have a great network network up here um, in the Metroplex. Um, you know, most of our surrounding districts were very good friends. So we share a lot of ideas and share a lot of, um, you know, just if we're having an issue, we pick up the phone and call. And I think, um, you know, all of us, you know, we we down here in the South, we played through COVID. So, um, so we, we put a lot, we put a lot on our coaches and we put a lot on our teachers and, um, and it was the right thing to do. And we were so blessed that our kids got to keep playing, but, um, but we have come out of a time where uh, our coaches are tired and our teachers are tired and we're continually asking more of them all the time. And, um, and I would say that our society has changed a little bit coming out. Um, I think we're dealing with people that are now uh, going from zero to 90 in the blink of an eye, some things that are, uh, there's a lot of buttons that, that just set people off. And so, you know, I think we just have to be a little bit more guarded. And I think for me, um, really where I, and especially as somebody who took over during that time, um, I, I just made, I made a commitment to myself. I was not, you know, I took over for an incredibly healthy program. Um, you know, one of my mentors, Sean Pratt, who's been the athletic director here for years, and I took over for him and worked alongside him for years. But um, I think for me, I was very clear that I was not going to start any new initiatives. I was just going to just pour into our people and do what I could to make it to where, um, you know, they felt valued and they felt supported. And I think that that still is carrying on to today. However, I say that there are some things that, that we did during COVID that were good. And so we are now coming out of that. Um, I think we've settled in. As a matter of fact, I was just this week, uh, we're working on a report to kind of compare our numbers from that COVID year into the, our numbers from last year and then now this year. And and um, and our numbers are great. We're doing a good job. But I do think there's some things now that is, we're kind of looking at and kind of looking at, you know, what do we need to tweak? What what are some things? For example, security. That's a big one right now, obviously. Um, but also, too, um, we have great security with our we have a great partnership with our police and our fire but it's hard right now coming out of COVID with staffing to go secure those stat, those security, kind of those support securities. And so I've got some brainstorming, some ideas about how we're going to better staff that next year. So for me, it was really about morale. And I think most of us would say that, but now it's kind of more about retention of coaches, recruitment of coaches, recruitment of lifeguards, recruitment of contract athletic trainers, recruitment of, um, like I said, security. That is where I'm spending a lot of my time right now. Yeah, that's really good. You know, the the first part of that answer, especially, but the whole thing. But, you know, sometimes when the preacher preaches, you feel like he's like preaching right at you. I, I think you were preaching right at me right there. So I, I needed to hear a lot of that. Maybe somebody else listening felt the same way. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that was a great, great response to that answer for sure, because I needed to hear that. Uh, uh, you know, you may, may say stepping on toes, but sometimes you wouldn't need your toes stepped on. That's good. So mm -hmm. thanks uh, for that answer. Jennifer, you mentioned in the interview once, that when you had your boys that you just mentioned that um, your high school coaching days were over, but you eventually uh, moved into the athletic office after coaching at different levels. You mentioned during your bio there, the athletic office is just as intense or even more than coaching at the high school. Right. So taking those two perspectives, a lot of times ADs here that, coaches want to stop coaching to spend more time with their family. You just mentioned about retention of coaches. That's a big hot button topic around here, I think. 
you recognized that you wanted to spend more time with your family, but you stayed in athletics through the leadership position. What would you say or what would be your advice to coaches and even leaders who think they have to stop coaching or leading in athletics once they have a family? Well, yeah, that's, you know, I, I sit with a lot of people who think they want to move into athletic administration and, um, and it is a blessing. Um, you know, now I'm just coaching the coaches. Um, you know, I have, we have about 250 coaches that report to this office. And, um, and so I think influence is one of the greatest gifts we can have. Um, we've all been given it. Um, some of us influence, you know, a few a day, others have the opportunity to influence more. Um, you know, there's that saying out there that a coach will influence more kids in a year than most people do in a lifetime. And so we preach that all the time here. We talk about that. I believe so much in the power of athletics and just what it does for kids and what it does for um, just especially as they're maneuvering life now, because life is getting really hard for our young people. And so I think anytime you, for me personally, if you have a great coach, they are a great leader. And so not every, not every coach is going to be equipped to be a great administrator, but, um, but I do think it is an opportunity for those coaches who maybe it, it can be a little misleading because my phone never stops. My phone never turns off. It did turn off sometimes when I was a coach on a campus. Um, but it never turns off now, but I'm responsible for eight campuses. So it's a little bit different for me. So you have to be mindful of it. But I think to be able to stay into the into the area of athletics and get to have the opportunity to encourage and motivate our coaches so that they then there can be the best of themselves for kids. Because sometimes the only thing that gets a kid out of bed in the morning to come to school is athletics. It may be the only thing that they want to come to school for. It may be the only sense of identity they have or the only group that knows anything about what's going on with them. And so the more we can keep our coaches in athletics and just kind of raise them up. Um, I say this all the time. If you have emotional IQ and you know how to connect with people and you kind of have a little bit of that it factor, I can teach you how to make sure we're staying compliant. I can teach you how to make sure that you're running your budget the way you need to. I can teach you all those things. It's those intangibles that I think so many of our coaches have because they've been successful coaches that really will translate over into administration. They just have to be willing to to kind of want to pursue it and to know there's going to be there's going to be some give and take. That's that's really good that that emotional IQ. Uh, we're we're, going, we're I'm, I'm going to circle back to that in in, in just a minute with a, a question that I was going to ask uh, a little bit later. But I, I wanted to touch on something uh, real quick. Jim Harris, a colleague of ours in Virginia. Uh, recently sent me an article about a school there that won their football game 112 to 16. Okay. And it was 47 to nothing after the first quarter. It was 91 to nothing at the half. This follows them winning 74 to nothing earlier this year. And on two occasions over the last three years, they've won by 60 and 84 points. And I bring it up because the coach of that team, when he was asked why they kept scoring points, his response was, what else was I supposed to do? Well, I could probably think of some things that you could have done, but in, in a day and age where sportsmanship across the board is an issue from fans to students, uh, and in this case, possibly the coach, how do you stress the sportsmanship piece to your staff so that they can set the example for your kids? Absolutely. Well, we we define ours. Uh, we do we do character curriculum here. For us in Texas, we're very blessed. We still have the athletic period built into our school day. And I know that that is not the case at a lot of places across the country. 
but in Texas, <clears throat> we're very unique. We're, we have that every day. So in order for us to prove that, that it is valuable and that it's not something that should be taken from us, we constantly preach to our stakeholders and to our community that we do more than just teach kids how to become better athletes. We teach them how to become better people, how to become better citizens. And so we, I mean, it is a, it is something that is taken very seriously here. And so I think that that just naturally evolves for us. Um, I'm not saying that you're never going to see a team in our district beat somebody badly. Um, but I think just naturally out of the overflow of where we really have put, you know, we've really kind of, what we say is what we do. Um, it, we don't find ourselves in situations like that very often, because I think for the most part, our coaches know what we're about and trying to teach kids and, and trying to make sure that they understand, you know, a little bit more um, about who we want to be in life. And I say this all the time to our coaches and to our, when I give presentations, is that, you know, research will show you the number one character trait that teenagers uh, struggle with is empathy. And coming out of COVID, I believe personally that adults are struggling with empathy too nowadays. And so the only way to teach kids to have empathy for others and what would it be like, how would you feel if you were getting beat by a hundred points, you know, in the third and fourth quarter, how would you feel is to rep that. So we rep character traits all the time. We serve people. We have a, we have a timeline that we follow. Um, we put it on social media. It becomes a part of what we do day in and day out. So it helps us just kind of remind people that a, our coaches matter. What we do matters. Obviously we do have a lot of success in McKinney ISD and athletics, but we have a lot of success with just great kids. And um, and great coaches doing those things. So I think it's it starts. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. And I don't think you can just pick up the phone and say, "Hey, don't do it." Again, it goes back to that emotional intelligence, and you got to teach it. And and that sounds like a little bit more, especially a little bit of relationship intelligence. <laughs> yeah, could you elaborate a little bit on that athletic period that you're talking about? At what mm -hmm. point in the day do you have that, and what does that look like? Yeah, it varies. So um, it varies from sport to sport um, and from campus to campus. But yes, we have athletic periods built into the day. So um, in the state of Texas, um, pretty much every school, some people may be on block scheduling, some may be in seven or eight periods throughout the day. Here in McKinney, we actually have seven periods in our day. So it just means that one of those athletic, one of those periods every single day is devoted to a, to a program. So basketball coaches have all their kids during that, that period. Football coaches are going to have all their kids during a period. It could be different periods. Basketball, maybe fifth period. Football, maybe fourth period. So they're still going to have that practice before school and after school. But the, the period is built in every day so that for us, again, in Texas, we're governed by the UIL. So we have very specific rules we have to follow. So when you're in season, we only get eight hours of practice outside of the school day in season. But the athletic period never counts against us. So during off season and all those kind of things, you see your kids every single day throughout the whole school year. Can they practice during that period during the school day? Okay. Okay. I asked that because we, we have a rule where you can't practice during the school day, but we also don't have the athletic period too. So it's similar restrictions there. So, okay, cool. Yeah. It, it, I bet there's some really good stuff going on during that period because you only practice so much too. I, I know most coaches, you can only practice. So they're going to find ways to influence their kids. That's good. So, Jennifer, something that seems to be a growing topic in both collegiate and high school athletics is the chasing of resources. Uh, you mentioned your area there, McKinney, and your new stadium we talked about before we got on the air. It really seems that at the high school level, it's become an arms race to see who has the biggest and the best. 
Uh, I know there's been a lot of publicity about Texas stadiums and stuff like that. And there's all kinds of websites you can go to to look at the, the biggest stadiums, but that's not, that's just one resource. Uh, I know where you are, you have a lot of resources. I, I mentioned I have a connection out there, but just down the road, there was a district that got a lot of publicity for their extreme resources because they have a lot more students, I guess. We can all relate to it to some degree or another. How do you keep your people focused on the chase for greatness and not the chase to keep up with the Joneses? Um, I think it starts, you know, our, our superintendent does a really good job. I mean, you know, if, if you, ex- if you want to expect excellence from, from your people, from your, for me, if I'm going to expect excellence from my coaches and from our athletes and, and from my staff, then, then we need to be excellent in what we offer. And so he, he Dr. McDaniel does a great job. I think just instilling that is in a dish as a district that, um, you know, we need to, we need to have excellent facilities for our kids. And I don't think that that always has to translate to being the best, but we just need to offer excellence. And so we do that in McKinney. You know, we happen to be in a very fast growing area in Texas. So, you know, tax dollars govern a lot of those kind of things and govern those resources and stuff like that. But, um, but I think for us, I think, um, you know, I think we're very wise and in a lot of our financial decisions you know, like the stadium, for example, the stadium supports, if you look at how many kids participate in our stadium week in and week out, a lot of people want to say, oh, it's a football stadium, but it's not. It's a soccer stadium, but it's also a drill team. And it's also cheer. And it's also junior ROTC. And people don't know that our big video board that we run every week, it's, it's 10 broadcast journalism students that are running that day in and day out that are putting that on their resume because they plan to go do this as a future career. It's soccer kids. It's so the list can go all of the band and all, you know, just the band kids that, that participate. So the list can go on and on and on to where it really does bring community value. And then also we use it for other things as well, too. We, you know, we host band competitions and, and things like that as well, too. We actually are the host of the NCAA Division II National Championship, football national championship. We've been hosting that. I think this is our fourth year, fifth year. Um, and we have four more years to go. So it really is. I don't think it's an arms race to keep up with the Joneses. I do think there is a reality, though, that um, that people do their research. They know what they want. They know what they want for their kids. You can have great re- uh, facilities, but if you are not providing great education, then the two, one is going to outweigh the other. And I think for us, we're doing both here. So I think it's a it's a win for both sides. And I think that that leads us into that personnel question that I was talking about uh, just a second ago. John Maxwell has stated every person you bring onto your team will make you either better or worse. And every leader you develop will do the same thing. And I know that there's not a magic bullet when it comes to hiring people, but how do you think that we can improve in this space to ensure that we're positively adding to our school communities rather than moving away from our mission by hiring someone who maybe a year down the road we see isn't going to fit? Maybe think of a time where you got to hire right you brought somebody in, they went through the process, it was the right fit. What made that one right, looking back on it? And then maybe a time where maybe you missed something uh, where it wasn't a good fit. Why didn't that one work? You don't have to give us an answer because I don't know the answer. Uh, sure. But uh, just kind of touch on that a little bit. Well, I think, first of all, anybody that walks in the door and starts quoting John Maxwell to me is going to be right up my alley because I'm a big John Maxwell fan. But, um, but That's good. That's good. I'm hired. Yes, Yes, I got it. I'll tell you the number one thing for me 
Um, you know, I tell coaches all the time, as a matter of fact, this last year, I started a head coach academy within my district because coming out of COVID, what I what I have learned since I have kind of sat in the in the hot seat since I've been here is that what's really kind of just been eye-opener for me is what I'm learning is that if you have been successful for us in our district as an assistant coach, then because our expectations are so high here, there is a very good chance you will be a successful head coach for us. Now, you have to have the skill set. So or whatever sport you coach, you're not even going to get in the door with us for an interview if you, if we don't feel like you have that that skill set. So we do all of that way before we actually schedule our people to come in and actually interview. This last year, just kind of referring back to what we talked about earlier with the retention and recruitment, I started a head coach academy and it was for anybody in our district. They had to have been in our district for a year, but they were able to apply. Um, they, it was a, I originally had started it as a four week program, but we had an ice storm. So we cut it to three weeks and actually next year I'm going to do it again and it will just stay three weeks, but you had to get a letter from your uh, administrator saying that they recommend you for this because I say this all the time. If I, if the principal is not on board with you as a teacher, then I, then I'm not even going to waste my breath because it's not going to be, it's not going to be successful. If you can't get the job done in the classroom, I don't care what kind of a great coach you are. It's not going to work. Right. So, um, so we had over 40 coaches apply for it. And, um, and I, I chose 19 of them. And out of those 19, I think we elevated 11 of them, um, wow. either to, to varsity assistant roles or head coach roles this past year. And again, we are not, I am not just a look inward, um, you know, just necessarily going to move you up the ranks just because you've been in our district. But again, it goes back to, we have such high standards that it really be, has become evident to me that if you've been successful with us as a varsity assistant or an assistant, high-level assistant, then you're probably going to make a pretty good head coach for us. And so I think that has kind of been eye-opening for me. I think I've kind of run with that a little bit more. But at the end of the day, the skill set has to be there in your sport. But the second thing I would say for the two most important things for me is do you are you able to connect with people? Are you able to connect with kids? And can you connect with other individuals? And you can tell pretty quickly when someone walks in a room, what kind of vibe you're able to have. Do they bring energy? I say this all the time. As coaches, your athletes, your parents, they need to know you're in the room. You need to have a presence. You need to have some kind of presence and, and go back to what Maxwell said. You're either going to have a positive influence or, or a negative influence. You're going to have some type of influence. So I think that is the number one thing. Can you build relationships? And then secondly, do you have emotional intelligence? Do you know when to back off and when do you, and do you know when to, okay, this is the time to have this conversation, or maybe I should hold my tongue here. You know, that, that's, that's very important. And so I think you can kind of garner a lot of that information through interviews, um, pick up the phone. People always, I say this all the time, people are always going to give you their, um, their references. But very rarely do I call all those references. I call people that are not on the sheet. Right. And so, um, you know, around here, we're pretty networked in. But um, but I'm watching, you know, I got a phone call from a dad. It was actually funny. Got a phone call from a dad earlier this year because um, I had made a hire and he had called. And, um, you know, it was one of those phone calls where, you know, he was telling me all of his background and, and, and questioning the decision. And and did had we done a national search for this um, for this candidate. And, you know, we don't do national searches and I was, right. we're not, the, we're not at the collegiate level, but, you know, I made the converse, I, I made the 
statement to him. And I told him, I said, sir, if you think that I, w- I waited until the day I received his resignation to start looking for a coach, you are highly mistaken. I have been looking for, that's what we do as athletic directors. That's right. what you should be doing. You need to be constantly be looking at your surroundings, looking at who you're coaching against, who's in your, who's in your network and, and start and know that so that when you do get that feeling that it's about to happen, you've already got your top five people you're going to call. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I agree with you hundred percent. It's, you got to have that Rolodex and, you know, talk to our coaches. Jennifer, one thing you mentioned there a couple of times, you said high expectations and high standards in your district. How do you communicate those? You talk about the assistants, if they've been a, a successful assistant coach and they got a leg up, they've got a chance to, uh, to move up in your district there. How do you communicate your standards and expectations all the way down, kind of past the head coach to the assistant coaches? Well, I think, you know, I, I try to get as many times as I can. I try really hard. Um, I, we, we are very blessed here. We get the opportunity to get in front of our, all of our coaches twice throughout the whole year. Um, so I get an opportunity to begin the school year to, to meet with all of my coaches for a year, for a whole entire day. So I think um, that's very important. Um, you know, I meet, we have campus coordinators at every single high school and, and middle school. So we have a male and female campus coordinator. I meet with them weekly. And so, um, you know, just continually pouring into them and then they then go and take that back to their campuses. But one thing that is really important to me is I am on our campuses as much as I can be. And I tell our coaches all the time, I want to know you. I want to know your family. So, um, you know, we actually make a a coach's little directory for our office because, you know, when you have 250 coaches, 240 coaches, you know, there's going to be turnover. You're never going to know everybody. But I will oftentimes try to look at that before I go onto a campus because I'm going to always know the head coaches. I'm going to probably always know the varsity assistants, but I may not know that second or third assistant's name Mm. right off the bat because they're just new to us. And so just trying to get around and have conversation with people. And I always, I kiddingly told somebody the other day, I don't want to be that athletic director that when you show up, everybody's like, oh gosh, something's wrong. I want to be that athletic director where they see you enough that they just think it's just a part of the day. And and so if you do have to have those tough conversations, it's kind of no one's really expecting that because they're used to seeing you all the time. And I think that helps um, just by me forming relationships and me kind of just valuing and prioritizing people. Um, I think that that trans, translates over to them. What, you know, you walk the walk. You know, you're not just going to talk it. You're going to walk it, too. And I think that does help a little bit. I think one of the great things you just said there, they need to know that you're in the room. That, you know, as as the head coach, because as an assistant, sometimes you can just kind of you can blend into the wall, right? Like you, right. you can just kind of just do your role and 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 be good at it. But to be the head coach, they need to know that you're in the room. They need to be able to look around the room and go, it's that one. And because everyone's going to look at you as the head coach to know how they're supposed to respond to everything, right? They're going to look at you as the as the AD to know how how are we supposed to respond to X, Y, and Z, or whatever, whatever it may be. Now, you mentioned that they they get a letter from their principal. D- does the head coach are they part of that process at all? When when you're looking at people that are applying to be a part of that? Yes, I yes. So our campus coordinators, I I have vetted those those most everybody I know um, when they applied for. I, you're you're referring to when they applied for the head coach academy. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I vetted those again through our campus coordinators, kind of once I had made my decisions. And um, and truth be told, um, you know, there were one or two that I brought in 
um, that I knew probably for me, they were probably not on my short list to, to raise up anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Do I think they could be a head coach somewhere? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Um, you know, and, and I explain this to people all the time. You don't, this is the kind of stuff that I think is a little bit, um, you, your, your way of thinking has to change a little bit when you sit in this seat, as opposed to when you're just a head coach, because, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, you have been a, you know, you've been a first assistant for 15 years. The next time the job opens, that's your job. But what they don't understand is when I sit where I sit, I understand there's, there's all these different factors that I have to take into consideration. For example, maybe we've got a little bit, our our players, maybe we're starting to see a decrease in, in, in player participation. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe we've got some disgruntled parents and they're just, maybe they're very high maintenance parents. And so, um, you know, possibly are we in a district that's maybe not as competitive or we're, are we in one of the toughest uh, districts that's toughest in the state of Texas? So there's things just because you've been sitting as a first assistant for 10 or 15 years doesn't necessarily make you the best candidate for that position. Right. Now, it can make you the best candidate for another high school position I have in the same sport. Mm-hmm. But that's that when you were talking about earlier, how do you discern that's where it's hard sometimes because I have probably had to let some people down that really deserve the opportunity to be a head coach and have earned the right and have done everything that they could do. They've done everything right. But I just know that I, if I don't get the right fit, it's not about the right experiences. It's about the right fit. If I don't find the right fit, we will not turn the corner and get to where we need to get. And that's what I think is hard. And so there is a piece of it where I understand that. Do I get feedback from our coordinators? Yes, because they know those coaches, they're on their campus with them. So I do ask for their feedback, but they may not always understand everything that I understand, but I let a couple in because I knew it would make them a better assistant because they knew what the head coach had to go through as, you know, after kind of going through this program. And so I did let a couple in that I knew just probably weren't ready yet. Um, but I always vet them. I try to vet them as many times as possible before I secure them. Because it's a lot of time on my part that I, that I pour into it. Yeah, tough job, tough job, especially when we're hiring coaches and trying to make that, like you said, get that right fit. Uh, no good science, but it's always good to hear how someone else does it for sure. Jennifer, I mentioned to you, I have a mentor friend who lives there in McKinney, and I've been fortunate to visit a couple times. And, you know, we'll go around the community and he'll tell me what his kids are involved in or grandkids and all that. And, you know, one thing I sense when I'm there is even though McKinney is growing tremendously, there's still a strong sense of community. Uh, I know you have three districts, three high school districts there. You mentioned eight campuses. How do you foster community pride among your schools as those communities grow and gain new population uh, of folks from outside of that area? Yeah, well, and that is it is it is unique to McKinney. I do think that it is that we generally get along with each other in turn inside our district. We may compete against each other, and uh, but we generally root for each other. Um, one of the things that's very unique to McKinney that's not the case in a lot of districts is we do not have a true feeder pattern. So what that means is that in our middle schools, um, in a lot of districts, you know, middle school A will automatically you know feed right. a high school A. Well, in McKinney, we actually cross um, zone. And so what that means is that what we have made, a com- it's been a commitment in place for years, is that we want to make sure that all three of our high schools are balanced socioeconomically. Mm. 
And so what we do is we just, so we, we pick, they, that's how they draw their boundaries. And so what that means is that you may be like, for example, my kids, they went to middle school and some of their very best friends that they went to middle school with, they would be going to two separate high schools based on their, where they lived and where their neighborhoods fell. And so I think because of that, a lot of times that those friendships were still very much intact. And so when my kids would go to play, you know, their crosstown rival, they're playing against some of their best friends. They've been going to school since elementary school together. And so it poses some challenges for us athletically because we are not a true feeder pattern. So we have to work um, even harder over here in the athletic office to align our high school coaches with those kids and those middle schools, um, you know, with the with the different drills or the different terminology that they want in place. But I do think it fosters a sense of community and the fact that they really do. They know, they have friends at all three high schools because they've gone together to school together, either in elementary school or middle school. And so I think that helps us tremendously. And then also too, it just, it, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's very, um, all three high schools um, have the same opportunities and kids are all kids are getting the same opportunities at all three high schools. And that's really a cool thing about us. Now, let me ask you a question with that middle school thing. We do it with camps, right? We'll have kids in our area that may go, I'm talking about feeder program kids. They may go to basketball camp here at Pope and they know they're going to Pope eventually, but they may go over to another school and go to basketball camp just to get a different experience. But do you find your, you seeing your coaches from the three different high schools working together to coach those younger kids or are they trying to figure out who their kids are? Well, we, we have a pretty good system here. We identify those kids in middle school. Um, we, we look up their attendance zone and we identify them. And so when, if, if they are actually participating in a UIL contest for us, um, our, our high school coaches are at our middle school campuses on a regular basis. And so um, we actually, um, they will actually kind of, they're going to focus more on those kids that they know are zoned to their school right. in the summer. Um, when we have camps and things like that, everybody does their own camp. Um, you know, yes, a parent has the opportunity to send their kid, um, you know, they can send them to all three basketball camps, right. they want to do, but they're probably going to send them to that high school that they're supposed to attend. Um, so they don't do camps together. We don't do that here. Um, we keep that separated. Um, but I do think when it comes to alignment, like seven on seven, some of those kind of things that we do, you're going to see more of a, more of a 30,000 foot view about, Hey, what, what are some, maybe some bigger um, you know, drills or maybe what are some bigger skills that we want to focus on as three high schools within our football players or our basketball players, as opposed to just, oh, well, this is the play we want to run or this is the scheme we're going to run. Um, so we kind of just, it just kind of depends on the situation. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. Does UIL govern middle school? Yes, 7 okay. through 12. Okay. Well, Jennifer, thanks a lot for everything you shared with us. I mean, really good stuff. It's obvious why you are leading one of the best districts there in Texas. And uh, we appreciate you joining us today. Now, our last part of our show, we get to know our guests a little bit better. We call it the two-minute drill. So to be a little more uh, personal questions, maybe a little bit more fun stuff. And Don kicks us off with that. Okay, Jennifer, we're going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions. We want you to tell us the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Okay. What was the first job you had ever, ever in your life? I worked at my dad's, uh, my dad's corporation. I got a big summer internship. Nice. All right. In your opinion, what is the scariest animal? Oh, probably a snake for me. I would agree with that. Uh, apples or oranges? Apples. There you go. What is one thing you own that you really should throw out? 
Oh gosh, that's a good one. Um, wow, I don't know that I probably I I have a lot of clothes and a lot of shoes, <laughs> so my. My husband would probably say I could get rid of some of those, but I personally think that they that it's that, needed. Every every pair of shoes is needed. I, I, you never know, right? You, you, <laughs> you never know. Um, all right, let's play a game of over under. So we're gonna we're gonna throw out a term. You tell us are these things overrated or underrated, and if you want to elaborate on why you feel that way, you can. Okay. So over under pumpkin pie. Oh, I think it's uh, underrated. Mm. All right, over under LED colored indoor lighting. Over overrated the color, but we do have LED lighting at our stadium, and it is it's top notch. So I would encourage, I would recommend it to anybody. But the color piece, I don't know about that. There you go. All right, outdoor concerts. Um, I think they're probably overrated. I'm enjoying them, but here in Texas, they can get a little hot. <laughs> All right, last one over under matching family pajama sets. Oh, that is definitely overrated. You will not catch the Fraser family in those for sure. Those boys wouldn't do it, right? I agree. They would not. They, they actually would probably be scared of their mom, and they would do it. But it's, uh, <laughs> I would have to go. I'd have to go find some triple XL. So <laughs> that's good. Uh, have you ever asked anyone for their autograph? No, I haven't. I haven't. That's good. All right. I don't know if you're going or not, but maybe you're getting on a plane to go to the. National AD conference here coming up, or maybe after that we may be publishing this afterwards. But are you looking for a window seat or an aisle seat? Oh, I am a window seat every day. Me too. All right, this is a question we've asked our guests this season. Uh, if we were hopping on a plane and coming to your house, uh, what's for dinner? What is the go-to dish at your house? Probably for us, we're probably going to do some steak and potatoes, and some vegetables, green beans, asparagus, something along those lines. All right. I may knock on the door next time I'm in Kenny. <laughs> it's right up my alley right there. All right. Uh, let's finish with this one. Kind of our trademark question today. Jennifer Frazier, you've been hanging with the ADs. Well, let's say you could hang out with anyone. Who would that be and why? You know what? I would uh, I would hang out with some uh, motivational speakers of the world, the John Maxwell's of the world, um, just people 